What's good, people? Good evening, everyone. Um, I'm so excited to be here tonight. You know, apart from the fact that I get to record a very, very interesting, artistic, expansive album, I get to review you know such vast and knowledgeable work. Madrid also won this night. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. Well, let me not waste too much of our time because this one is lengthy. Apart from the fact that it's lengthy, you know, we have a lot to dig in. So let me get straight to it. I'm talking about Mr. Morrow and the Big Steppers by Kendrick. A long time since we've heard an album from this very, very good musician, this artistic genius. So I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this one time. Kendrick is one of the greatest of his generation. Now, who's Kendrick, first of all? As you can hear, you can hear some playing background, but of course, we have to get deep into who we know as Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar Duckworth was born in June 17, so I guess in his 30s, at 34, from Compton. He's actually uh, engaged to Whitney Alford, as this lady, you hear all of her voice all over the album. And it was like in 2015, they both went to the same high school. Uh, even Dre was also in that same high school, that's Dr. Dre. She's a vocalist. You know, aside from her being a, a vocalist on regular, so she assisted on King Kunta. Uh, and uh, actually, apart from that, she actually graduated from school. You know, she has uh, a, de- a degree in accounting. And uh, although she actually has that degree, she actually has this passion for beauty and apart uh, for beauty and its kids and all apart from that. So that's much about um, Kendrick's babe. Then he's actually, him himself was a member of, of course, a member of TDE, a former member right now, because of how things are, you know, in a TDE. As actually, apparently, this is his last album under them. So, as, alongside J Rock, Schoolboy Q, and Abso, he went to Senator High, and I think he was an A student while he was in high school. You know, very intelligent dude, and he's reflective all over his music. You can tell this guy is smart and all. And he's been rapping since actually 2003. Well, damn, that's a long time. And he didn't actually get the limelight till like maybe like 2000. 10 or so like 9 at most before people started knowing about Kendrick you know probably in the area in, in, the, in America over there and then before we started hearing you know I, I don't know if I speak for myself 2010-11 you know his, his musical disco he's actually dropped about 5 albums 1 EP 1 compilation album and 5 mixtapes you know under the name K-Dot well, you know he used to go by the name K-Dot and when it was another name he had about 3 mixtapes and the one that was actually very good to me he had Hub City Thread Stroke Minor of the Year that's when he dropped in 2004 he had Training Day in 2005 and then he had C4 that he dropped in 2009 and that's the one that actually started messing with me I started messing with Kendrick you know, when it comes to, came to Lenty Project and I think that was in 2011 I think I was in school that time had that C4 tape. He actually did a lot of like some kind. He actually had like a mixtape, you know, copying uh, the, uh, the, the the production on C2 and most of Wizzy's productions. So he was actually like an ode to his musician. That was actually very nostalgic for me. I won't lie. It was a very very nice album, which was very com- which was very very commercially successful. Before he dropped Overly Dedicated back in 2010, which was another smash masterpiece mixtape. At that time, that was crazy. And then he started dropping his albums in 2011, in 12. You know, 2015, 17, and now 2024. That's about five years before Kendrick Lamar dropped an album. Such an artistic genius. I remember they asked me a question like, "Why did you have to waste more time?" But you see, he has a lot of art to put to his album. He has to feel real. He has to feel more, more than connected. He has to actually experience his album for it to drop. So it takes him time to create his craft, which is very, very interesting. Now, from talking about looking at his last album. Critically, you know, in a short while, of course, his last work was actually that compilation album where they, for that Black Panther movie. Shout out, 
I want to say shout out, rather rest in peace, rest in power, Shabby Bozeman. And that was, it was actually uh, a good album. It was befitting for a style, for a big budget film. I actually loved that All the Stars with Caesar. I remember that track. That track was very, very big. Timeless record, actually. Then uh, if it's for the solo work, his last album was Damn, which is more or less an avant-garde of an album. Something new that has not been done in a long, long time. More or less a, a renaissance, that kind of thing, to the music industry. Something that won the Polizer Award. That was crazy. You don't just get to win this round of awards with hip-hop. That should show you how instrumental this album was to the foundation of some parts of music. Then, on this new tape, you know, background-wise, general hype-wise, uh, it's safe to say that uh, I first heard about this kid you know, in a long while after, you know, he had tweeted about his last album under TDE. So that idea was already out there, you know, that was actually going to uh, come out and drop an album soon enough. Then at one point, TDE founder Anthony Tiffitt teased fans in May 2020 uh, in an IG Live about Kendrick returning, you know, dropping an album soon enough. That was in 2020. Then in 2021, August, he teased a new website, Oklahoma, you know, OKLama.com. I said Oklahoma, Okilama.com. And then in April 2022, he shared a statement about the tapes released through his site and his social media. You know, there was also a picture of him where he was holding like two CDs where he shared with the uh, site as well. Then in May, he dropped the Heart Part 5 that shook the whole internet. I think that thing like went, went like 10 million views in like two days or so. So it was crazy. Then uh, he actually took to social media to reveal the album and, and all. You know, we, uh, the album art was shot by Rednell Medrano. And actually, you know, he actually dropped the track list later for it, and with the features and uh, um, and all on that same release day when he was dropping the album. So that goes to show you the kind of artistic uh, work he puts in it, and you know, the whole experience and drama. You know, the whole surprise he was trying to tease fans with. It was actually dope. Now for the tape itself, generally this tape is filled with so many experience. It is deep. It is touching. It is revealing. It is, it is intricate. It is expansive. It is teaching. You know. It's a, uh, it's polemic. <laughs> it's a, it's a subtle way. <laughs> it's a polemic album. It's a subtle way of stating out how you feel or rebuking an idea. At the same time, it could actually be harshly criticized, but it's your opinion. So this album is, it's, uh, it's beautiful. It's worth the wait. I'm going to tell you that for sure. Now, if I'm talking tracks, you know, I'm talking. I'm, I think I like all of them, if not most of them, man, because it's filled with so much knowledge. You know, there are different angles filled with different emotions, more or less, on uh, you know, accompanying different vibes and all you know from the production progressive rap you know to the jazz infusions and everything it was actually worth the wait it was actually uh, iconic for me already i know i'm sounding too fast but i'm telling you you know from topics on vanity on love or on existential knowledge boiling down to casual flings with light-skinned women to more revealing topics on relationships between heterosexuals functional issues that need to be spoken about more often than down to personal matters of his own family that are so really deep so revealing Crazy, you know, songs like Anti Diaries and Father Time, and also how he feels personally, you know, on all these views on the music scene, you know, the cancel culture, you know, that's stuff like that on Rich Spirit and Crown. Now, firstly, I'm going to talk about United in Grief. That was like the intro. I really like that track. But he's talking about on this particular song, Kendrick talks about his multiple achievements and, of course, the consequences of being of him being put in that particular shoe, you know, of going what he's going through. He says, I've been going through something 1855 days. I've been going through something. Be afraid. You know, he now says, you know, later on in some lines, he says, What is a bitch in the miniskirt? A man in his feelings with bitter nerve. What is a woman that's really hurt? A demon, you're better off killing her. You know, 
he's talking about his ideas on women these days. And then, you know, if you, if you hurt a woman, it's as good as you being dead. That's why he's trying to meet out in that line. Then later on, he says, what is a relative making repetitive narratives on how you did it first? That is the predator, hit reverse. You know, he's talking about living that particular kind of ideology, you know, from people even close to you, trying to even bring you down. Then he says, I rest and got me a therapist. I can debate on my theories and sharing it, consolidate all my comparisons, humbling not because time is imperative. You know, this is self-explained. He has to keep up humble. He has to be humble. He has to be actually, uh, he has to be down to earth so that he can actually get all he needs. And, uh, you know, as much as he thinks and, and as much as he's thinking in a lot and all, he needs a therapist to vent because this album itself is actually therapeutic. You know, it's more or less he's putting out his heart out there. It's, it's, it's a chest grief. It's a chest grief. If I put it that way, you know, you're taking things off your chest. You know, in the second verse, you know, Kendrick is talking about his affair with a green-eyed woman. The only thing, he, you know, we know about, about from this woman that she was a model, you know, they really spoke and he had this heart-to-heart conversation. He's like, you know, he says, phone off the singer, tell the world I'm busy. Fair enough. Green eyes said her mother didn't care enough. Sympathize when her dad is in the chain gang. Her first brother got killed, he was 21. I was nine when they put Hamlet in the grave. Heartbreak when he still didn't say goodbye. Chad left his body after we faced time. Green eyes said he'd be okay. First, first for sex, the pain away. You know, he also said, I watched Kim buy four cars in four months. You know, the family's dynamic on repeat. You know, apart from, the, apart from that conversation he had that, with that woman, he's seen his cousin, you know, Baby Kim, who's also very instrumental to this tape. I actually love his parts on this album. You know, apart from that, he actually saw, saw where Baby Kim actually improved on his life, grew and all. He also says, I bought the 223, nobody, I, I bought the 223, nobody peace threat. He wants, you want to do to me, I smell TNT. Dave got him a Porsche, so I got me a Porsche, paid lottery for it. I ain't, I ain't wanted in portions. Poverty was the case, but the money whipping it, wiping the tears. So... Apart from the fact that he's actually, you know, going through everything to get what he wants, he's actually getting it, and at the same time, he's going to use his money to feel good. You know, he saw his cousin get him a Porsche, so he actually got him a Porsche, and nobody's trying to kill him, you know, he's not trying to pull out anything on the streets and stuff. And another song I like again, next week, is N95. You know, he's expressive on this particular track about how he views reality. You know, he's, he's cancelling out a lot of things, he's stating out, you know, those harsh realities, those harsh truths, those bitter truths that you find hard to swallow, pills like that. So he's stating out life from truth different angles he's seen in real life so far he says take off the money take off the phone take off the car loan take off the flex and the white lies take off the word as jury i'm gonna take 10 steps then i'm taking off top five take off the fabricated steams and then web microwave memes it's the real world outside you know as much as everything take off all those things you know remove all those obstructions all those things that glue you down that make you feel like you're more than earth you're too sophisticated take all that off and what do you have nothing is vanity then he says take off he actually now goes deeper into the culture of it all he says take off the fake deep, take off the fake wolf, take off the I'm broke, I care, take off the rich, take off the gossip, take off the new logic that I'm, if I'm rich, I'm rare, wow, Nazis, take off the Chanel, take off the Duke, take off the Birkin bag, take all that designer bullshit off and what do you have, you know, take all those materialistic things away, take all those things that make you feel like you're more than important than any other person, you know, be as humble as, and, and what do you have if you have none of those, nothing. So in the second verse, it's actually tough uh, on certain individuals who find it actually hard person. He says, the world is in the panic, the women is stranded, the men on the run, the profits abandoned, the lot take advantage, the markets are crashing, the industry wants niggas and bitches to sleep in the box while they're making the market following us. This is a monopoly, watching for love, this is monogamy, getting lay, this is monopoly, watching for love, this is monogamy, you're getting fucked. You know, he actually makes a punchline here and his enjambment earlier which is actually one of those similar techniques in which is actually attributed to K-Doc. He's fond of that, you know, enjambment and all. And he makes a punchline about monopoly, watching for love, monogamy and getting fucked, you know.
crazy shit. He now further questions. He says, let's think about it for a second. Tell me what you, what you need will do for aesthetic. Will you sell your soul on credit? Will you sell your brother for a leverage? Where the hypocrites at? What community feels like they are only as relevant? You know, as much as you see, as much as you see everything, are you going to sell your soul? Are you going to like? Are you going to fall for anything rich and stuff? He also says he's not done. He says, "What the fuck is cancel culture, dog? See what I want about you niggas. I'm like Oprah, dog. I treat you crackers like I'm Jigger. Watch I own it all. Or you're worried about the critic. This in protocol. So no how, no how. He's giving you hot. He's not trying to even sugarcoat anything for you. Like he's trying to straight out his own." His own view, his own idea, like what is cancel culture? We should all be inclusive. You know, we should all try to be liberal when necessary. Then on another song where I like it, where he goes deep is Worldwide Steppers. You know, on this particular track, Kendrick is discussing in detail about so much happening in society. Again, especially you know these social media ages of cancel culture, homophobia, and cloud chase. He says, "I'm a killer. He's the killer. She's the killer, bitch." Then he's also discussing you know about his young family and his visions for them and what he will do to protect them at any cost. He says, "I am not." For the faint of heart, my, my genetic build can build multi universes. The man of God, he now says, playing baby shark with my daughter, watching for sharks outside at the same time. Life as a protective father, I'll kill for her. My son Enoch is the part two. When I expire, my children will make higher values. He also goes into this, you know, you see that kind of crazy uh, knowledge because this is one of the most knowledgeable, knowledgeable tracks on this. You could tell the vastness, you know, the sage alignment in Kendrick's uh, uh, thought process. He's also diving into some philosophical and, you know, cabalistic, devoid form of lyricism, if I must say, showcasing his knowledge and intellect. He says, set precedent for a new sacred religion. Writer's block for two years. Nothing moves me. Ask God to speak through me. That's what you hear now. The voice of yours truly. Wow. Teleport out my own body for comfort. I don't pass judgment. Pass life regressions. Keep me in question. He's even going mythical at some point. He says, awkward stares at everybody. See the flesh of man. But still, this man compared to nobody. Yesterday, I prayed to the flowers and trees. Gratification to the powers that be. Synchronization with my energy chakras. The ghost of Dr. Sebi. Paid in paid it forward. Cleaned out my toxins. Bacteria heavy. Sayata nerve pinched. I don't know how to feel. Like the first time I fucked the white page. You know, the whole thing that blows me here is the fact how he goes so ethical, so knowledgeable, so philosophical, you know, so intelligent and well-spoken. Then he boils it down to something so vain as him sleeping with a wise woman. <laughs> I guess that's art for you. You know, at this particular time, what he's saying here is so heavy at the same time, it's so trivial. You know, compared to what he was saying earlier. But it's deep because, you know, he's him bothering about his infidelity to his wife, Whitney, which at some point, because... Uh, yeah, it actually becomes a question. It's more or less he's in a therapy session with her as well. So she says, The first time I fucked the white bitch, I was 16 at the Palace Cities, fumbling my grace. I traveled with the team. The Apache life. Centennial was like when Mrs. Baker screamed that dope boy. You know, he also makes an enjambment there about the Apache life. Centennial was like. Then the next line goes when Mrs. Baker screamed that dope boy. How about him traveling with the team? Then she, she's not talking about the girl in particular. He says, She drove her daddy's bears. I found out that he was a sheriff. That was a win win because she had locked up Uncle Perry. She's she paid her daddy sins. <laughs> Crazy about him, you know, taking revenge on slippery half for her daddy. Then he also talks about the next time he did it. He now says, the next time I fucked the white bitch was out in Copenhagen, go keep my city tall. I flourished on the stages. We didn't ask, did I have a problem? I said I might be roast. Ancestors watching me fuck was like retaliation. You know, he goes, he goes deep. He goes, you know, Kendrick is a very spiritual person. That's just how I view this, this character. You know, this person. I don't call him a character like he's not a human being. You know, this enigma, if I must say. You know, he's very spiritual, he's very mythical, he believes in the powers that be, which is very, very, 
eccentric to knowledge because you don't come from just you being a boy, you come from, from, from somewhere. You know, on the third verse, get, he gets more societal, you know, he's debating on topics pertinent to society where we live in. He says, the media is a new religion, you kill the consciousness, the jealousy is way too pretentious, you kill the accomplishment. Hmm. And that's his niggas killed freedom of speech, everyone's sensitive. If your opinion fuck around and leak, might as well send your will. The industry has killed the creators, I'll be the first to see to each exec, I'm saving your children, you can't neg- negotiate. You know, crazy crazy shit you know he spars on that track as usual then another track what i like you know is this one that is playing now father time very 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 interesting deep and very very intricate you know i can relate to this track on, on some particular levels or some components of course of the record you know it's crazy he's talking about some things deep to his heart about him having father time with his own he's, a, he's very talking about relationship with his father you know, the first verse is mostly from his own angle angle he says i come from a generation of home invasion and i got daddy issues that's on me that man knows a lot but not enough to keep me past them streets my life is a plot twisted from directions i can't see see that crazy punchline there he says that man knew a lot but not enough to keep me past them streets my life is a plot twisted from directions i can't see crazy punchline crazy thematic like that you also say he said, Daddy issues made me learn losses. I don't take those well. Mama said, That boy is exhausted. He said, Go, go, go fuck yourself. I'm charging baskets. I'm falling backwards. Trying to keep balance. Oh, this is the part where mental stability meets talent. Oh, this is the part where he breaks my humility just for practice. Tactics we learn together. So losers. Forever, Daddy issues. You know, that's him on one particular, particular track on this one. Then on the second verse, he's talking about how his father treated him strictly. But at the same note, how he shaped him, strengthened him. Also, lose those men who made it without their fathers he says daddy issues he says daddy issues keep my emotions never express myself then should never show my feelings being sensitive never help his mama died i asked him why he's going back to work so soon his first reply was son that's life because god no save a spoon daddy issues fuck everybody go get your money sir protect yourself trust nobody only your mom and them he's also talking about them dropping the kanye and drake relationship and you know the people like apart from the fact that kanye and drake had their own relationship issues kendrick also had that issue with drake like the that altercation that resulted in them even having physical you know uh verb assault and verbal assault but that recording was smashed was agreed to be smashed by both record leaders to keep it out of the news this is actually had a long-standing beef coming so he says he says daddy issues kept me competitive that's a fact nigga when can you go back to drake i was slightly confused guess i'm not mature as i think got some heading to do you know i also love the poetry in, in some lines before he says near the sisters with the way i was brought up what's the difference when your heart is made of stone and your mind is made of gold and your tongue is made of sword but it may weaken your soul yeah it's crazy that's poetry at its finest he's also saying he's down what he's saluting those men like i said before about those who made it that we having a dad which was crazy and he now says and to my partners the figure it out without a father i salute you but your blessings be neutral to your tomorrow it's crucial they can't stop us they can't stop us if we see the mistakes till then let's give the women a break grown men with daddy issues so he's actually venting for the women too you know so as much as we are doing this we are doing that as men they basking in our own masculinity and god forbid misogyny you know let's give the women a break let's also realize that they are trying and let's not make it too hard on them and of course not on ourselves then on we cry together this track is so explicit you know it shows the continuous disparity of course in relationship amongst modern couples the abuse here is verbal the blame game here is played and there are a lot of exaggeration exaggerational statements you know his wife is on the intro of the vocals you know and i'm really liking how taylor's verse you know sort of sort of blended and complemented kendrick's 
a verse which was very very beautiful you know she destroyed this track i really liked it she was like he were him he actually first said i swear i'm tired of these emotional and grateful ass bitches unstable ass confrontation ass dumb ass bitches you want to bring a nigga down even when i'm trying to do right we could go our separate ways right now you could move on with your life nation now replies <laughs> Fuck you, nigga. You love a pity party. I won't show up. Always act like your shit don't stick. Motherfucker, grow up. Forever late for shit. Won't buy shit. Sit around and deny shit. Fuck around on the side, bitch. Then come fucking up on my shit. You know, <laughs> she's actually spazzing on this person. She's not speaking of the good things she eat. Or, you know, good things she's done for her. And all your all turn around. She was like, wasting time and energy trying to be good to you. Lost friends, family, gain more enemies because of you. Bitches staring at me in Zara, who's scratching my cars up. Should have followed my mind in oh nine and moved just moved to georgia <laughs> so here she's talking about how as much as things are good you, you know the whole the whole thing is still weighing down on her you know this is very reflective because this is what happens in modern societies and more couples like i earlier said you know they also escalate to a point where they are actually beginning to blame each other over the natural differences and the thing actually becomes more expository in the fact of you know uh the the, the differences or the disparities that we have between men and women how we don't see, seem to see everything on the same level we will have their, our views as men and women will have their views as women so he says see you see you're the reason why strong women fucked up why they say it's a man's world see you're the reason for trump you're the reason we're overlooked underpaid underbooked and the shame if you look i don't speak then i'm called on my name you're the reason bitches start fucking with bitches when they change you're the reason bitches start calling your bitches because you're useless you're the reason having weinstein had to see his conclusion you're the reason r kelly can't recognize that he's abusive so you can see the whole exaggeration just from a particular topic they expand it to the realities of what is happening you know touching different angles in society and of course which is very very artistic knowledgeable and wise and he also says fake innocent fake feminist stop pretending your sentiments ain't realer than what you're defending it's a split decisions broads like you are real victims let's tell the truth women in general can't get along why r&b bitches don't feature on each other's song <laughs> so and, uh, it was a crazy so and at the outro of it all was that they actually had sex that was just the main part i didn't want to even actually go into all that but that was actually just the main part you know and i, I like the fact where you know it was just tap dancing tap dancing tap dancing i was like tap dancing you know, actually was like, more, more like more or less Stepping, which is an old or rather which is you know an artistic you know touch or slight uh, bliss to the wrist with um the name of the album and mr moran and the big steppers and then it of course goes down to the artistic uh nature of the song which is talking about you stop tap dancing you know, stop beating about the bush of what we're actually trying to talk about you know let's get focused let's get real here now another track i like so much this is like the that was like the part one that was like the this one now another angle i like so much was uh the disc two which talks about uh, so many particular tracks now the wrong track that got to me on his particular verse they count me out he's talking about how he had to struggle for things to show dedication and consistency to get to the level that he's at right now likewise clearing any doubt about him uh, being no one of the great rap and you know elites to have come across the mic you know about his prominence then he's like the what he says here, he says, one of these lives, I'm going to make things right. With the wrongs I've done, that's one of your now. With the father's son, till then I fight. Rain on me, put the blame on me. God give, God hunt, God shame on me. God sees magazines that's aimed at me. Done every magazine, what's fame to me? Crazy punchline there. Six magazines aimed at me. Every magazine was famous to me. Very nice one and good play on word. He also says, This time around, I trust myself. Please, everybody else but myself. If all else fails, I watch myself. I don't fear. I outdone myself. This year, you better be yourself. Then another 
angle on where he's talking. He says, I'm eating veal, I ain't seen nothing scary. I fall like a pitbull terrier. Blood I share could fill up aquariums. Then he's proceeding to the chorus, which is the title of the song. I love when you count me out. I love when you count me out. I love when you count me out. My name is in your mouth, you know, stuff like that. And then he's also talking about how he copes through stress or anxiety. And also sharing his view on how he believes. Others find themselves highlighting the major topic on this album, which is, you know, therapy, necessity and all. You know, he says on this particular part, he says, Anytime I couldn't find God, I still could find myself through a song. Many find their life in the phone, which is true, which is crazy these days. Then he's also saying, when, when you watch your lowest, tell me where the hose was at. When you watch the lowest, tell me where the bros was at. 3.30 in the morning, scroll to the car log. Ain't nobody but the mirror looking for the fall off. You know, at the end of the day, you're going to be alone. You know, you know, do not depend on anything. You know, at not at all times are you going to find people by your side trying to guide you and also however you look at it, you have yourself to blame if you're in any situation that puts you to shame. Then he also addresses his past regrets. A female friend tells him to leave, essentially he won't be regretting anymore, or instead healing from the process. He says he actually puts regrets in a female form, you know, expressing her, which is actually uh, metaphorical which is, and very intelligent to speak. He says, Miss Regrets, I believe that you've done me wrong. Miss Regrets, can you please exit out my home? Miss Regrets, I think I'm better off alone. Miss Regrets, I got these deep regrets. So he's done with that. He's done with that type of, you know, existing that type of life. He doesn't want to have that kind of life again. He wants to clear himself from any doubts for himself and of course, you know, on his rap prominence. You know, telling you, he loves when you count him out, but at the, same of it, at the end of the day, you know, he's still going to prove to you that he's, he's worth it. Now, another track I like is uh, Crown. It's revealing, just shows how Kendrick considers himself human. At the end of it all, you know, not every, you know, you can't do it all. Exactly. He understands, he wields great responsibility as one of his generation's best rappers, but he can't make everyone happy at the same time. You know, he's, on this particular track, he says, for the time to come, to not be there when somebody new is, is near you. You say no, and all you've done is give them amnesia. One thing I've learned, love can change with the seasons, and I can't please everybody. You know, in verse 2, he's even talking about how he considers himself a demigod in this music scenery, acknowledging he loves the attention from the fans. The time will come when they are still possibly ignore him. He says, they idolize and praise your name across the nation. I think that's what he was saying. Tap the feet and know the heard for confirmation. Promise that you keep the music in rotation. That's what I call love. And I can't please everybody. Can't. He's also recognizing the responsibility he wields and knows it's not easy holding such responsibility. You know, I like this, you know, eccentric, this uh, choral, and um, this particular word I'm looking for. It's an astral, so to speak, astral. You know, spacious kind of sound he, he, or ambience this song gets in this particular hook. He says, Every year I will choose to wear the crown. To whom much is given, much is required now. Very, very deep. Very, very nice. I like that. He's also talking about uh, getting materialistic, uh, materialistic wealth, how it's making him feel better, but at the end of the day, he still can't please everyone. Oh, I can't please everybody. I can't even please myself. I thought a new car would help, but when I started, and when that new car got old, I'm sure want to want something else, which is very true, which is very, very, very true in society. At the end of the day, you get tired of something, and then you want something else. It's like it's never, it's a, it's a void that never gets filled. Then another track, which is very deep, which is very personal, is um, Anti Diaries. One of the most reflective songs on this album. Very, very intricate, very deep. It was a lot to bear when I was actually listening to it solidly or you know research wise. And he's talking about how he grew up with his transgender relations, how they influence his life, 
how society views these people and the toxicity of certain principal institutions regarding these their views. No, he's talking about you know he first he talks about his auntie and how she transgendered to a woman, sorry, to how she transgendered to a man and the relationship they both shared. Likewise, how this relationship has shaped him down the years. He says, my auntie is a man now. I think I'm old enough to understand now. Drinking Parmesan with a hat turned backwards, Motorola pager, off-white guest jacket, blue Air Max, gold chains and curl kits, 93 Nixon wax job the earliest. You know, she was soft, she was flying right from them. He's talking about how his, this is auntie helped him place thoughts about falling in love when he was growing up, what he saw. He was like, my auntie is a man now. I watch him and his girl hold their hands down. Tip of the avenues, under street lights, made his thinking I want me a bad bitch when I get big. Then he's also talking about how he was always eager to hang out with this his auntie. You know, he says, scratching the light from the ladder, hoping that she pull up tomorrow so I can hang out in the front seat, six by nine, keeping the music up under me. You know, with the beats and speakers, everything, you know, playing, enjoying himself. You know, scratching the likes of the lotto, you know, which is a metaphor for like, you know, he's betting, he's placing the bet on this particular thing. Then he also talks about how his fellow uncles treated, you know, this is particular auntie. And why did this so? Is it out of jealousy or out of his money? Then he said, ask my mama, ask my mama why my uncles don't like him that much. And at the party is why they always want to fight him that much. She said, ain't no telling. Niggas always been jealous because he had more women, more money and more attention, made more envy. Call him anything broke was less than offending, you know. However, he wants to put this guy was rich, this guy had money, he had girls. And his auntie was a man now. Crazy shit. Now, in the next line, he's describing himself as being young and naive and not knowing about the implications of the F slot because repeatedly he keeps on saying this. This particular song is very is a very light thread to you know to walk on. You have to be careful when you're putting this stuff into perspective. Now he says back when it was comedic relief to say faggot, 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 faggot. We ain't know no better. Sorry about the F slot. I'm really sorry about that. Now elementary kids with no filter. No, he's also talking about how his friends viewed his transgender relation, how he tried defending her sexuality in front of them, and how she drew him closer to music and brought him up generally. You know, he was like, she wasn't gay, she ate pussy, and that was the difference. That's what I told myself in the second grade. She's picking me up from school, they stare at her in her face. They couldn't comprehend. They couldn't comprehend what I grew accustomed to. We're pulling up, bumping quick like it was nothing, you know. That she put him on music, she put him on cruise. He was not like, I grew up fast, I needed no one to babysit. He gave me some cash, then gave me some game. Cherry freshener on the dash, I never complained. She even cut my hair at the pad, was loving my fade. The first person I seen her write a rap, that's when my life had changed. I love this rhyme scheme. So beautiful, so ex- so intricate, so well thought. And at the same time, you know, he's making more sense about how she took care of him, took care of his, took care of his hair, gave him stuff given right to rap very very lovely stuff then surprisingly he's also seen another relation transition to this sexuality and how over the years that had led them that kind of happened that kind of happened in becoming normal in his own house and he says my auntie is a man now we're cool with it the history had trickled down and made us ignorant my favorite cousin says he's returning the favor and following my auntie with the same behavior he's talking about also about how his cousin is happy to live his life now how his family is in shock, but with him and on the other side, how he saw it coming a long time ago. He says Demetrius is Marianne now. He's more confident to leave his plan now. But the family is in disbelief this time, convincing themselves he ain't leaving the streets. He's fine. They say they never seen it to him, but I seen it. The Barbie dolls played off the reflection of Venus. 
he talks about using you know the f slow growing up on his cousin with his friends but how he still loved him regardless you know he, he also says he didn't laugh as hard when the kids started joking faggot 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 we ain't know no better sorry about that word middle school kids with no filter however i had to be very mindful of my good cousin i knew exactly who he was but i still loved him you know he had to be very mindful of that one but he was moving with his friends and laughing at the slow he knew no better but he still loved his cousin he's speaking about how his cousin transition changed his own behavior how it affected their relationship while you know looking up on the good past and how they used to have a good time he says we didn't talk for a while he seemed more distant wasn't comfortable around me everything was offensive but i recall we both had a sick sense of humor made raw but i guess time changes all crazy now on the last verse Kendrick is speaking about how he felt about the religious institution of the church, how they treated his cousin, you know, how he realized he was still somewhat viewed to this day. He says, Demetrius is Marianne now. Remember church Easter Sunday? I sat in the pew. You had stronger faith, more spiritual when these dudes were living life straight, which I found ironic because the pastors didn't see him the same. He says, my cousin was going through some things. You know, he further singles out the point that the preacher was even talking, taking it personal, personal about his cousin for certain things happening. You know, he says he promised the world we live in was an act of, of an abomination and Demetrius was to blame until he, until he singled out to prove his point, saying Demetrius is Marianne now, church, his auntie is a man now. You know, he then described his response to the preacher. He says, forcing me to stand down. I said, Mr. Preacher man, should we love thy neighbor? The laws of the land or the heart was greater. I recognize the study she was taught since birth, but that don't justify the feelings that my cousin preserved. You know, he's also talking about how his cousin felt and how that moment brought everyone in his family close because he stood up for his family, for his, for his cousin, for his, you know, relation. He says, that's when he looked at me and smiled and said, thank you. The day I chose humanity over religion, the family got closer. It was all forgiving. You know, he's also speaking about how he perceived certain matters of life worked, you know, before he, he actually got to realization that he was wrong at, at, at this point because his cousin actually disapproved of a certain act he almost carried out while on stage. He says, see, I was thought words was nothing more than a sound. If they ever was pronounced without any intention. The very second he challenged the shit I was kicking, reminded me about how I did a show out, in the, how I did a show out in the city. That time I brought out the fan on stage to rap but disapproved the word that she couldn't say with me. He said, Kendrick, ain't no room for contradiction. To truly understand love, switch position. Faggot, 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 we can say it together. Sorry about that. But only if you let a white girl say, but nigga. Crazy stuff. Very deep, very, very reflective. Crazy. Now, another track I liked the most, um, another intricate and deep and reflective track to me was Mother, Mother I Sober. Another emotional talk in the way the deep charging. Kid Rock still here is talking about the traumatic experiences he had experienced, you know, from his from his mother and growing up, you know, and the mothers before her. How these experiences shaped him in viewing women and society generally, and also how we individuals look at women of color. You know, till this day, on the particular beginning, he says, "Mother cried, put the hands on her. It was family ties. I heard it all. I should have grabbed the gun, but I was only five. I still feel it weighing on my heart." My first tough decision. You know, he's talking about even seeing his grandma in his dreams and what he believed in as well and all he could do to become better in life for he and his, and his grandmother. All he could do, like, you know, the way the wish he had in mind and how he executed these wishes. He says, where's my faith? Told you I was a Christian, but just not today. I transformed, praying to the trees. God is taking shape. My mother's mother followed me for years in the afterlife, staring at me on back of some buses. I wake up at night. Man, this is spiritual. This is deep. 
Now, there's a poetic meaning to this uh, particular says. He says, staring at me on the back of buses, I wake up at night, my mother's mother. So this is a generational kind of statement talking about the strong black women in society about how his mother was in that lineage because we're talking about sitting on the back of some buses let's not forget about rosa parks and what she symbolized now on a particular that was one particular part now he says love that dearly treated in my tears for a range rover you know you can see the trans you can see the transition on the back of some buses to a range rover then he's now see you see what he says here transformation you ain't feel grief till you felt it so well crazy stuff crazy crazy stuff crazy technique crazy understanding of music scenery now on second verse he sees you see where kendrick is talking about his uniqueness in the family as well as being traumatized by a question living with him also he says i remember looking in the mirror knowing i was gifted only child me for seven years everything for christmas family ties they accused my cousin did he touch you kendrick never lied but no one believed me when i said he didn't frozen moments still holding on to it have to trust myself i started rhyming coping mechanisms to lift up myself you know he had a particular issue in his house about how they thought his cousin touched him but he, he told them no but they did still believe him talking was tender and then i like his rap technique he was saying holy child me for seven years everything for christmas family ties they accused my cousin you know being baby king you can see that that punchline there family ties accused my cousin let's assume that was baby king but that was i believe that's the, the technique he was trying to approach him we are speaking about him musically and then he also opens about deeply about he coped through these traumatic experiences how that occurred in his family how he felt he could have done something about it just like he said how your mother cried there was even the family ties one the family that beat her but he couldn't do anything he could have grabbed the gun but he was only five he couldn't do anything at all so he's also saying here too that how he could have done something about it or how he blames himself he says water watching living my life in nature only thing relieves me spirit guide whisper in my ear tell me that she sees me did he touch you i said no again still they didn't believe me mother's brother said he got revenge for my mother's face black and blue the image of my queen that i can't erase till this day can't look her in the eyes pain is taking over blame myself you never felt guilt you felt it sober crazy like he still feels pain about this whole thing like it was his fault that wish he could take revenge on it now there's this particular thing about how this mother's brother was actually chaotic and i think chaotic is baby kim's dad i'm not really sure but i know baby kim is his cousin i mean his nephew one of them he has another kind of thing but i, but I know there's a relation I, I know chaotic i think chaotic was in td i believe in black hippie i can't really remember where he's from where he actually affiliated from but he's is actually Kendrick's family. Now, on the third verse, Kendrick is diving deeper around the traumatic experience over the years, how he coped despite the pressure from society, his lossful addiction, how he broke his finance. Also, the statement about being violated continually resurfacing, but in the end, it's understandable because his mother was also assaulted as well. He says, I was never high, I was never drunk, never out my mind. I need control. They handed me some smoke, but I still declined. I did it sober, sitting with myself. I went through all emotions, no dependence, except for one. Let me bring you closer. That's one part of it. He now says, intoxicated, there's a lustful nature that I failed to mention, insecurities that I project, sleeping with other women, witness hurt, the prayer soul I know. I found out in the kitchen, asking God, where did I lose myself? I can it be forgiven? Broke me down. She looked me in the eyes. Is there an addiction? I said no, but this time I lied. I knew that I couldn't fix it. Pure soul, even in her pain, know she cared for me, gave me a number, said she recommended some therapy. I asked my mama why she didn't believe me when I told her no. I never knew she was violated in Chicago. I'm sympathetic. Told me that she feared it happened to me for my protection. Though it never happened, she wouldn't agree. Ah, see statement, see talk. 
so crazy, so long, so detailed. See how he actually do his mom will not believe him because she actually got assaulted. So that traumatic experience. She doesn't she wants to believe that you know something happened, but that Kendrick is not telling her because she got assaulted in Chicago. It was crazy. Now he says, now I'm affected. You're also talking about how you still reveal those time. The trauma from everything, how his fiance separated from him, how he never wanted it to happen to his kids, but how but and how we see affects these African American generations to gone, but how he's not even spoken about so much, and how he affects the social mature rapper in society as we feel it. He says, Now I'm affected. Twenty years later, trauma has resurfaced, amplified. As I write this song, I shiver cause I'm nervous. I was five, questioning myself, love for many years. I made it home, seven years of talk, chasing manhood, but witness gone. By the time he heard the song, she did all she could. He also says, I pray our children didn't inherit me and the feelings I attract. A conversation not being addressed in black families, the devastation, hunting generations, and humanity. They raped our mothers, then they raped our sisters, then they made us watch, they made us rape each other. He now says, the psychotic torture between our lives we ain't recovered every other brother has been compromised i know the secrets every other rapper sexually abused i see them daily bearing their chains in pains and tattoos you know he's also being explicit about saying he also says learn how we cope whenever his uncle had to walk him from school his anger grows deep in misogyny so apart from all this you know how the thing affects the woman and how he also plays out on the son about about how these rappers even all the pain that pain all the burying their pain in chains and tattoos you know how they think they can hide away that pain that misogyny but they were also violated so it happens to everybody and it's the generational cause that we almost you know we get loose of which is very very bad for society generally let's not even bother it just on just, on just african-american society now he at, at some point you know he, he this is more or less therapeutic for him he's freeing himself from the guilt all over the years you know he forgives those who abused him or those who assaulted his family the generational trauma amongst the women in his life as well so he says so i set myself free from all the guilt that i thought i made so i set free my mother all the hurt that she tied to shame so i first free my cousin Chaotic for my brother, for my mother's pain. You know that's why he mentioned her name earlier on. I hope Haikim made you proud, cause you ain't dying in vain. Cause I think Chaotic died for his mother, for Kendrick's mother, because Kendrick more or less takes baby Kim like his cousin, like his nephew, his blood. So he says, I set free the power of Whitney. May she heal us all. So I set free our children. May good karma keep them with God. So I set free the heart filled with hatred. Keep our bodies sacred, and I set free all your abusers. This is transformation. So he, more as he set free, he's more or less forgiving himself, forgiving his, you know, his mom, forgiving society, forgiving abusers. So he's more or less. This is what a, this is a godlike thing to do. What what would God do in this case? Yeah. This is intelligent. This is expressive. This is heart revealing. I love this. Now. Down, these are some songs that I really like so much that touched me on this album. That was some Kendrick's intricate verses. I'm trying to take it as fast as possible because this thing was, like I said earlier, was packed. Now, the features I liked, lovely features. I liked the fact Kodak Black was sprinkled all over this thing. Lovely shit. Now, on the features, I liked Sampa's uh, vocals as well as his hook on the song. His, you know, his voice being so orchestric. And apart from the fact that it's so orchestric, you know, there's this sultry feeling that keeps you coming. You want to hear what he's saying. You know, it keeps you diving in. And he says, early morning, wake up, practicing, no day off. Tough love, bottled up, no chaser, needs, no chaser, needs, no chaser, needs, no chaser, needs. No, no, and there's this, you know, 
metaphorical theme onto it, you know, this technique to it, this rap technique to it. He says, tough love, bottled up, no chaser, neat. So, you know, everything is tough, tough love, you know, you're taking it in, straight in. There is nothing stopping the full effect of how you feel, you know, from practicing with no days of early morning wakes up. Now, another feature I like so much was Ghostface rap, Ghostface verse on, uh, you know, Purple Hearts with Summer Walker as well. You know, that was some lovely shit. Ghostface came on strong on that song. You know, it one of the founding members of the Wu-Tang Clan, you know, OG, 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 most definitely revered rap veteran. He says, telekinesis, I'm purifying these these speeches while I'm crying. I clinch the feet of the sweet just of the sweet Jesus. Dreams, visions, get glory of the Elohim. It's light. It's known to tear retinas in a single gleam. You know, he's going spiritual on this particular track, talking about dreams, visions, cleaning Jesus' feet, you know, just like Mary. At the same time, you know, glory of the light of the Elohim, you know, does leave ghost face, man, he's good. Then he now says, to the mind, it's God's cipher divine in a small portion, faded pictures, this global madness, the intervention, this world's in the twilight zone, this is the fifth dimension. God, please, blow the whistle, we need an intermission. <laughs> You know, everything is driving him crazy. He wants everything to end, you know, from what he's observing. Then there's this uh, this God Cypher divine. There's, this, there's a particular scene about the God Cypher design. But the God Cypher is about, I think there's a particular, you know, des- you know dissertation to it about how it connects to the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, I saw that up. Then he actually goes poetic in the following lines. He says, My good deeds in front of your door. I'm standing by the entrance with heavy baggage, my brother's ashes. I seen tragic. I did dirt, smack death. Also says, I heard it to that nigga cabbage. Love, we killing greed, we killing homelessness, and I don't give a fuck about this land. I want ownership. <laughs> you know, from the whole poetry, it goes down to how about how he really feels, you know, in American society. He doesn't give a fuck about that. This was never his land, but he wants to own it anyway because his beauty is strong enough. Now, another particular track and verse I like is this particular track playing our silent hill Kodak Black verse was epic. Kendrick came Kodak came so good on this thing, you know. He says, you know, he says, I, I want this song to kill me, but come with me, but I just hope it's going to come at the same time. Let me see if he's the one rapping this verse now. Okay, no, it's not his stuff. But he says, he says, they don't fuck me if they could. Plant the stick to the bridge with the wood. First to pack was right to the hood. Then, you know, he's talking about how he got those things. He now says, you know, the APO, eh, you plant the stick to the bridge with the wood. First to pack was right in the hood. And I guess deeper. Where I going from Sudokos? I don't my whole conglomerate. I was just mapping shit out in the cubicle. Try. So it's like cool for the front or truck hop like wrong with the flex shot. Answer. You were saying something here. Yeah. And the rain, bang, bang, bang. Shoot a whack. I have to survive a tuna pack. Hear that pack? Real bars. He now goes deep and personal. Mm-hmm. 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 Time my daughter make me go harder. Every Sunday, Sunday, teach my boys be a man and ain't no father. Very deep. Very deep. About how he's teaching his father to be there with her and his daughter to be there with her. He now goes back on his gangster shit here. Yeah. Just more. 
crazy. You know, I, I didn't even need to even start talking over his verse. Yeah, I wanted to just hear it by myself. And you can hear the, the intelligence, the reality speaking out of Koda Black's verse. Very intelligent stuff. Now, finally, the production. Now, this, I won't lie, the production itself was grew on me, was artistic, was lovely, laudable. But there's one particular track that stood out to me, and that was N95. The one that has that video was crazy. The hi-hat and the snares start off. Then there's this electric bass loop and just some kind like piano that just goes fast and it's theatric and very cinematic. So shout out to Baby Kim, he was on this production. Shout out to Jahan Sweet, you know he produced a track off Eminem Kamikaze's album. He, has, he did what he produced Doppy Freestyle for Drake, and he was also a producer on that friend's track that Beyonce and Hove had on that album back in 2018. That was the Carters. And then also as, alongside that produced this track was Boy Wonder, who was who produced God's Plan for Drake, produced Work for Rihanna produce Know Yourself for Drake and also produce Pound Cake for Drake and Hove uh, respectively. And then uh, lastly, well, another project that produced song was Soundwave. And now Soundwave now is actually Kendrick's longest time producer. I mean, he's been working with Kendrick since like section 80. That's like the longest serving producer I know that's working with Kendrick since. I think before him was Can I Finch, but I'm not sure if Can I Finch was actually just for J. Cole or just for him. Now, that's what I have to say about this album. Like I always say, this album was theatric. It was sensitive, it was very, very deep, it, had, it was constructive, and you know, it, it boiled down to the heart. It's very, very emotional, and it came from a real place. Now, observationally, loudly speaking, there be a phrase, it's the do- double disc album that sheds layers of Kendrick's story depth. The second part is really revealing. The second part that is playing, it actually gets more deeper as we actually proceed with the album, so far as you listen to it in a sequential pattern. Now, Die Hard, that particular sound, song sounds like an, an interpolation of all the, of the, all the stars, like that one I particularly talking about on uh, that Black Panther album. And now, another observation, the verses on interludes are so crazy. The earlier on, Kendrick Lamar's OM, Kodak's own played. Now, the one that's playing now is Baby Kim, which was very, very intelligent, which was very nice. I actually like that. Another observation was Alchemy's solid production, you know, his gritty style of production, that gangster production that Alchemy does that is viceful. And it's harsh. It's amazing how Kendrick flipped the artistry over it and made it seem so, you know, relatable. Which is which is <laughs> which is crazy. It's more or less, he's giving a shout out to all those people that didn't believe in more relatable. And then another name of another thing that is with another name of voice that is prominent on this tape is Eckhart Tolle. You know, he's a German writer that wrote that wrote on spiritual enlightening books. You know, that are vividly therapeutic in this particular tape. You know, uh, Ekatol, like I said earlier, was a was a German writer, and his name, his his voice is all over this tape, which, which can tell you that this was like more or less a therapy session for Kendrick Lamar on this tape. Now another observation, I love the hook on Rich Spirit. I loved Summer Walker's you know erotic verse, so to speak, on Purple Hearts. I love the content on the outro. You know, you know, the whole music on the outro was crazy. It befitting for a very emotional, revealing, and therapeutic tape. You know, at the end of the day, I chose me. I'm sorry. It's crazy. And now, names that won't come out from this album that were all over, like I said, Ekatoli, Kodak Black, Whitney Alford. You know, there are three prominent voices all across this album. Now, there were also, you know, vocalists. If you go through the track uh, the track uh, credits, you see that there was a vocalist that was all over this album, which, who is Sam Dew. I love that about him. Now, I love the, the mild funk of Mr. Morale. You know, that would be the crazy vibe and it's more or less an interpolation of one of those songs that Kendrick had on that particular black water tape or I think it was um, that damn tape which was crazy you know 
And it's uh, obvious to say that Kendrick is not really concerned with the techniques of being a rapper, you know, but he's such a good content creator that uh, he's gifted artistically. Now, lastly, I think I came across a picture on Twitter, Twitter's Ido Sources, about um, a particular uh, addition to the album. Now, officially, the, the only addition I can vouch for is the Heart Part 5 added into the album now. But I think I think that saw that thing, he had a Spotify background, I'm not really sure about that, I, I'll check for that. But if there's anything to be added to this tape, it has to be something even better than what I'm hearing. But can that be possible? Because what I'm hearing is so great. But then again, it's Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick, top watch Lamar. Good night, my people. Halaman read.